From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Sanders. You know, during worship, uh, it was interesting. Pastor Ben stood up at the end of worship and was talking about a word that somebody had given, and I was, you know, ear monitors in leading worship, so I had no idea. But there was a moment in the worship set we were singing, Jesus, we love you, and the Holy Spirit just said, there's people here that are having a hard time loving me. And it was, I wasn't sure how to minister into that. You know, it's like weird to stop a set and go, are you having a hard time loving God? Um, it just seems like, you know, it would kind of ruin the moment. Um, and so I just processed it and sat on it. And John chapter 3, I want to read you a passage. After dark one evening, a Jewish religious leader named Nicodemus, a Pharisee, came to speak with Jesus. Teacher, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are proof enough that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I assure you, unless you're born again, you can never see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, the truth is no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives new life from heaven. So don't be surprised at my statement that you must be born again. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, You can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. What do you mean? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, I am telling you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe us. But if you don't even believe me when I tell you about things that will happen here on earth, how can you possibly believe if I tell you what is going on in heaven? For only I, the Son of Man, have come to earth and will return to heaven again. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so I, the Son of Man, must be lifted up on a pole so that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. There is no judgment awaiting those who trust in him. But those who do not trust him have already been judged for not believing in the only Son of God. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. There is no judgment awaiting those who trust him. I want to look at a couple words this morning with you. This word condemn, krino in the, in the Greek, God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. The word in its, in its root form means to mentally or judicially decide to avenge, to damn, to decree, to condemn. It means to judge according to the law and sentence accordingly. Now I want you to catch this for a second. 
Jesus says out of his own mouth, I didn't come into the world with the agenda to judge what's wrong with you, to determine what's wrong with you, to condemn what's wrong with you, and to sentence you for that wrong. The word saved here, sedizo, it means to deliver, to protect, to heal. So Jesus paints a very clear picture for Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, is the, the birth of his question is, I want to be right with God. How do I get this figured out? And the, at the genesis of that question is a desire to be right with God. So my, here's my question. How many in here have that desire? I, just, I want to be right with God. My hope is that all of us would raise our hands to that. And Jesus stands before him and says, here's the deal, Nicodemus. I know that you think I came to itemize your life and to show you everywhere that's wrong and to tell you why, you, why you're wrong and to, to lay out a list for you of the things you need to do to get better. And I'm going to lay out a list in front of you that says, if you do this and if you do this and if you do this, then I can accept you. But until you do those things, get away from me. I know that's what in your mind what you think and expect from me because that's what law does. Law creates a list of where we're wrong and what we need to do to become right. And then it lays out a system of punishment that says, if we don't do this, this is what's coming. And the, the problem is, just like Nicodemus, we still live there all the time. We live with every moment of encountering the Lord, the assumption that when I encounter him, what he's dealing with is the things that are right and the things that are wrong in my life. And he's creating a list and he's rolling it down in front of me. And so if I listen to that, I'll be okay. And Jesus says, time out. That's not why I came. Now hear this. This is Jesus' statement, not mine. Jesus says, I didn't come into the world for that agenda. I came for a different agenda. The agenda I came for was to create a safe place. That's what the root word means, sedizo. To create a safe environment. To deliver, to protect, to heal. He says to Nicodemus, I'd love to put it in my terminology because I think it's easier. What he says to Nicodemus is, do you really think I don't know how screwed up you are? Somehow, do you, do you, is there any way you think that it's lost me, that you're a mess? It's escaped my notice that you're a goof. You think I don't understand how you live. You think I don't see your pattern. I need you to understand, Nicodemus, I didn't come here to call you out. I came here to fix you. I came here to heal you. Nicodemus says, I don't get it. And Jesus says, I, I, his statement to you, are a respected teacher of the Jewish law. His statement was that all of the scriptures up to this point have been pointing to this moment. If we study Isaiah, Isaiah's prophetic words are all about this one that would come in absolute deliverance, in absolute grace, in absolute mercy. He wouldn't come as one who's bearing a sword to take out those that have opposed him. He'd come as one, as, as a sheep, gentle. This is why they missed him. There's another verse I want to look at in here. Because the question that seems to have been posed 
by the Lord this morning. This idea of love. For God so loved the world that he gave. And so we understand that love gives. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we're called sons and daughters and we really are. That's what's what 1 John will teach. So we know we've been loved. And then in other places, the scriptures will teach that we love because, not because we're so good and noble, but because he first loved us and he put within us the ability to love. I would love to break down this word love. What is the idea of love in the natural? If we just take it from a 2017 relational point of view, doesn't love deal with living in a relational place with someone to where we're accepted and embraced? To where it's okay to be vulnerable? How many people are married? Let me see your hands. How many, just keep them up. This is a test. Put them down if you're still married because your spouse is perfect. Right, no, no, you can put them down now, I know it's good. Don't we understand that love is about a commitment to each other? Just even in the natural, we get it. It's about a commitment to each other where we say, I'm going to walk in relationship with you because you have value to me, not because your performance is perfect. And so we come into worship and we sing songs like, Jesus, we love you. And the hard part is there's this thing that happens when we want to sing it, I want to lift it, but in my mind there's this, there's this tape rolling, there's this almost like a, a little, you know, anybody ever watched Spongebob, you know that one like, uh, I can't remember, the, 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 their nemesis, what's his name, the, the guy, huh? Plankton, that's it right there, yeah. You remember Plankton, the little short guy, he's got a big mouth? It's like you have that voice in your head yelling at you. But what about this? And what about that? And, and it, you can't, he, you know what? He's not satisfied with you. How many wrestle with that? You just don't feel the embrace of God sometimes. Jesus goes on in chapter 3, and he says, and There is no judgment awaiting those who trust him. The word judgment, the same word he uses before. Listen to me. There is zero judicial analysis of your life awaiting those who trust me. What he drops on Nicodemus is, I have an escape route for you. You can get out of this system of being itemized based on your, based on your abilities to do or do not. I can help you escape that entire system where it's no longer ever going to be measured on what you do or don't do. That's the word he gives to Nicodemus. He says, all you got to do is trust me. All you have to do is trust me. You can imagine to Nicodemus, 
having given his life to study the law, to study the scriptures. So he knew every little detail. He knew every aspect to teach other people. He knew exactly what to call out when someone was living wrong. He knew what to tell them why. He knew how to itemize. That was what he was trained in, is the, abil- the ability to itemize what was wrong in a person's life, what was wrong in a culture, what was wrong in a city, what's wrong in a family. Tell them, if you fix this, this, and this, it'll get better for you because God says do it this way and his blessing's only on doing it this way. And Jesus steps in and says, time out. The blessing of God is now going to be given a different way. It's never, ever going to be given again. The kingdom, he uses this word, the kingdom, which is the thing they'd been waiting for. What he says is the doorway you want to go through, you can't get in that door the way you've lived. You have to embrace something different. And he uses a word, trust. In the root, the word is to believe. And it literally means to have faith in someone, to give them credit worth trusting. And it means to entrust. He says this, you have to give your life to me and then understand by trusting me, you'll be okay. And he reverses back in verse 16. He says, because Nicodemus, God has been in love with the world since day one. And so he sent his son that anyone who believes in him, who trusts him. Church, here's what I want to say. I know this is traditionally used to preach the gospel. By the way, that is the gospel. The good news of the gospel was because of faith in Christ, not because of our ability to be perfect, we're embraced by God. Everything in me wants to teach, be perfect. Everything in me wants to teach, figure out how to, you need to get up every morning, you need to seek God, go face to face, read your Bible, be a good person. That's why, and it's not. Those are all wonderful things that aren't gonna hurt us at all. They're things that will add to our lives. But none of those things are why we're embraced by God. Grace is simply this. Those who deserve nothing got everything. The one who deserved everything got nothing. He died. And so we come into worship. What should dominate our worldview? <laughs> I can't figure it out, but you love me. Can I suggest that love is a misused word? What Jesus uses to, the word he uses to describe for God so loved, agapeo, it means in a social and moral sense, to love someone. The word deals more with like than anything. For God liked people so much that he needed to deal with their problems. That's the issue. So somehow we try to come back to the Lord with, I love you, but we don't let the truth of what he's done in us sink first, which is, you like me. You're for me, not against me. You see, worship can never be fueled by ought to. It can never be fueled by, that's what we're supposed to do. It has to be fueled by the revelation of the God of the universe likes me. In all my screwiness, he likes me. In all my brokenness, he likes me. He sees something in me that he thinks is worth redeeming and shaping. 
Are you going to stay the same? No, because it's impossible. How, if, how, do you, how do you come close to something that is so radiant, one who is so pure, it, just being near him? The closer we are to him, the more the gravitational pull of who he is pulls out of us the junk and replaces in it his goodness. It's the, it's the byproduct. He's like a giant bad magnet. He just pulls everything out and puts good back in. That's the process that happens. But it doesn't happen. He doesn't do that to us because we've done the right things. We've gone through the right steps. We've been good to our wife this week instead of being a jerk. Or, you know, we've been good at work. And none of it matters. All that matters is he said, I loved you. In fact, I loved you so much that it was beyond love. It wasn't because I had to. It's because I actually like you and I want to be around you. And when you, come with, when you come into my house with me, I want you to understand you're walking into a place where somebody really likes you. And so you get to be you. No pretense, no falsehood, no show. That thing that Jesus taught will revolutionize us and will revolutionize the world. Be careful. It is in our DNA to lean into law and to lean into ought to and lose sight of grace. You see, it's not by what we do that we walk in this relationship with Jesus. It's by what he did. I don't have to ask how many in here are wrestling with stuff in life you feel like a screw up. I know the hands would go up. I get it. I'd be with you as the president. Can I just invite you? to take a couple minutes with me right now and just let the like of God settle on your life. Say this with me. I know it's gonna feel really dumb and we don't do this stuff very much, so you're gonna be okay. God likes me. He really likes me. He likes the parts of me that I don't even like. He told me that I'm his, that he's for me, and he's not against me. Father, we ask this morning, I know it was simple, I know it's just a, just a gentle reminder of a simple truth, but I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that the like of God would settle on this room. And that all the internal voices, all the condemnation would be driven out in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I know in our hearts we say, well, what about sin? We, we get it. You're the answer for everything. So we just ask for your presence to invade. And so the goodness of heaven would drive out the stupidity in our lives. Jesus, would you forgive us for trying, if we're falling back into that place where we believe it's about what we do and it's about how good we are. And would you release over us just a simple joy to be able to say with, with great authority, the God of the universe actually likes me, like really likes me. And Lord, I ask this week that your voice would be easy to hear. Lord, let your kids hear you joke. Let them hear you, let, let them hear you in a way they've never heard you before. Let us, let us hear you 
as a father that loves us. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at vintagecitychurch.com.